calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Danielle McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 10. A white swan swimming, parting with her unmoved breast, cherry-petaled pond, Roka. Lady Kazuko sat on her favorite balcony, overlooking Lord Tsunetomo's cherry orchard. The air would soon grow hot with the approach of summer, but the days were still pleasant with cool, fresh breezes and lush new greenery. The afternoon breeze was warm, smelling of new life and fresh wonder. She sighed as she remembered the cherry blossom festival here at the castle several days ago. It had been boisterous and joyous and... dreadful. How things changed in only one year. She looked back at the way she had been only such a short time ago and saw only a naive, innocent fool. She had been nothing more than a tool to cement an alliance for her family and she had served her purpose. Last year, she had been a child. This year she was... What? A barren wife of an aging lord? A wife who had cuckolded her future husband on the day of their betrothal? A woman who had loved so passionately, so briefly, so brightly, that she had become blind to the rest of the world? The beauty of the cherry blossoms, like the exquisite thrust of a dagger, so delicate, so ephemeral, should have given her feelings of wonder and happiness. But all she could think of were the events of last year, and the exultation and the devastation. She feared she would never be able to enjoy cherry blossom time again, and part of her was angered by that as if she had lost something precious that could never be regained. Most days she was fine, 
she went about her duties, directing the business of her husband's house, having tea with Hatsumi, or Lady Yukino, practicing calligraphy and painting. She wanted to continue her training with the Naginata, but for some reason Yasutoki had forbidden it at first. He said that martial weapons practice was unbecoming the lady of the house. This angered her, and she went to her husband, who intervened on her behalf. She sometimes found that the physical exertion of practice left her with spirits uplifted. Lord Tsunetomo would give her anything if she asked for it. That was a great deal of power she possessed over him, and she tried not to abuse it. She could have acted like a petulant, greedy child, but she chose not to. Sometimes she felt that Lord Tsunetomo was her only ally. Hatsumi's behavior had changed in the last year. In the old days, she had been a pleasant and kind-spirited companion. These days, she was usually sullen and mean-spirited. Kazuka wondered if sometimes her own black moods had contributed to Hatsumi's behavior. Soon after her arrival, Kazuko had been introduced to her new sister-in-law, Lady Yukino, Tsunamori's wife. Lady Yukino was pleasant and matronly in her early forties, more than twice Kazuko's age. Kazuko sometimes enjoyed playing a game of Go with Lady Yukino, but this made Hatsumi angry for some reason. Perhaps because it was apparent that Lady Yukino did not like Hatsumi and treated her like a servant, rather than Kazuko's friend. For this reason, Kazuko did not go out of her way to spend time with Lady Yukino, but she could hardly refuse when she was invited. Lady Yukino enjoyed talking about her son, her pride and joy. He was a young samurai in Lord Tsunetomo's service. Did Lady Yukino have aspirations that her son would become Lord Tsunetomo's heir if Kazuko failed to produce a son? If Lord Tsunetomo died without an heir, Tsunemori would be in a position to seize his lands. This sometimes made Kazuko wary of Lady Yukino's motives, but she had never discerned anything underhanded in her manner or her company. Yes, some days were passable, but on others, her world was a swirling typhoon of guilt and shame and misery. Some nights she still could not sleep for the sadness that consumed her. Sometimes she had the same terrible dream, a dream that she longed to live, a dream she wished never to end. But it always did. Sometimes she wished she would die and leave her mortal body behind and slip into the dream world, never to return, never to be reborn. It was the only paradise she could imagine but her sleep was so disrupted that she never felt rested. She would grow tired at the wrong times, as if her spirit forever wanted to return to that dream. The breeze caressed her face, and she imagined that it was his touch, listened to the breeze's susurration as it slid over the castle's stone walls, rustling the leaves of the trees. Children played somewhere, their laughter echoing among the castle walls like the breath of ghosts. She wished for children again. If she could only produce an heir, her husband would be happy with her. He consulted every astrologer he could find. He prayed daily for a son and requested that she do the same, all to no avail. 
These days, she saw the disappointment in his eyes when he looked at her, even though he tried to mask it. There had been times when his virility flagged, or perhaps his interest in her, or perhaps his hopes of ever conceiving a son, and he did not come to her bed for many days. During those times, she was both relieved and disappointed. The closeness of his body, the brief stab of pleasure she experienced at their coupling, helped to stave off the perpetual loneliness, the endless longing for someone else. She knew that she had indeed come to love her husband. He was a good man, a wise leader, and a brave warrior. But her feelings for her husband were different than when she was with... She could not explain the differences, but there were many different types of love. She wanted to please her husband, and she enjoyed his company. But she still thought of the hard, rippling body she had seen practicing in the early dawn light and the handsome features, and those eyes filled with a bewildering mixture of kindness and ferocity. She imagined herself walking through the garden again in some far future day when she could be happy. A day when she could sit in the cherry orchard on a warm spring day having a picnic, surrounded by her many children, handsome sons and beautiful daughters, all laughing and frolicking under the breathtaking canopy of cherry blossoms. She hears the sound of a flute playing nearby, somewhere behind her, so close she can almost touch it. A sound she has heard so many times in her dreams, with its lovely, lilting tones, breathy and subtle. She can feel the presence of her husband so close behind her, sensed but unseen. All she has to do is touch him, to feel his warmth, is to reach behind her. But she does not. Some part of her remembers that Tsunetomo does not play the flute, but she pushes that thought away as she always does, trying to immerse herself in the sound, the warmth, the beauty, the happiness of this moment, to stay here forever, frozen in time. Somehow, she knows that if she touches him, this timeless instant will end. Some part of her knows why, but she clings to the moment, and she feels warmth and joy and happiness and boundless contentment. So wonderful, this respite from... something. She cannot not remember, so she lets herself forget, lets herself float on the sounds of the flute and children. But the desire to touch the man behind her, the man she loves, is strong, made more acute by the knowledge that she cannot. Maybe this time it will be different. Maybe she can reach back and lay her cold, porcelain hand upon his warm flesh and he will remain, and this moment of happiness would not shatter like a falling teacup. A sharp end to the happiness, like the sudden slash of a naginata and a gout of black blood. She tries to ignore her desire, to prolong the feeling, but the desire grows and along with it the longing that maybe this time will be different. The desire grows until the concentration, the will required to resist it, is too strong, threatening to destroy the happiness all by itself. Finally, 
she succumbs and reaches back to lay her hand upon her husband's leg. She turns to look at him, smiling, and he turns to look at her, lowering his flute. She stares into his eyes, and just like all the other times, the knowledge that it is all wrong, all but a dream, out of reach, destroys the dream like a hammer hitting a pottery jar. She awoke back on her husband's balcony, her eyes puffy from weeping in her sleep, her spirit smothered in the same familiar ache. A sudden sharp cry snatched her mercifully from her timeless despair and into the moment. Someone was crying, howling in pain. She rubbed her eyes and shook herself. Had she been sleeping? Kazuko stood and ran toward the sound of the crying. There were other voices raised, loud, as if in protest. She followed the noise to Hatsumi's chambers. A servant girl lay on the floor there, the fragile young girl called Moi. She was sprawled on her belly, with her back arched in agony, tears streaming down her cheeks, with long, bloody slashes torn in the back of her robe. Hatsumi stood over her, flailing at her with a long, thin bamboo cane. Several other servants surrounded them, looking as if they wanted to stop the beating, but terrified of intervening. Horror! Hatsumi shrilled. Horror! 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 The strikes of her cane fell in unison with her words. At each blow, Moi convulsed in anguish, growing weaker with each strike. Hatsumi! Kazuko cried. No response. The cane rose and fell again. Hatsumi! No response, save for the hiss of the cane as it sliced through the air. Kazuko darted across the room and seized Hatsumi by the wrist, halting her in mid-stroke. Hatsumi! Stop this at once! Hatsumi stopped instantly, a lightning-quick succession of emotions in her eyes. Rage. Surprise, recognition, remorse, despair, fresh anger. Kazuko, I... What is the meaning of this? Kazuko demanded. Moi curled up into a ball on the tatami floor, sobbing, gasping, choking in pain. Hatsumi's mouth worked as if she was trying to speak. Kazuko tried to read her eyes, but the changes in emotion passed too quickly for her to recognize, as if she was in the midst of some terrible inner struggle. What is the meaning of this? Kazuko repeated. Hatsumi was still frozen in a mixture of horror and anger. Kazuko turned to the servants and pointed at Moi. Take her out of here. Take care of her. All of you. The servants hastened to comply, lifting the weeping girl by the arms and carrying her out of the room. Her sobbing receded. Kazuko grasped the bamboo cane and wrenched it out of Hatsumi's quivering grip. I don't know what came over me, Hatsumi cried. The look in her eyes told Kazuko that she was on the verge of weeping. The rage fell away from Hatsumi's face like a shattered mask, and she sank to her knees her eyes glistening with tears. What were you doing? Kazuko cried. That was so cruel. How could you be so cruel? What could she have done to warrant such treatment? Hatsumi stammered, 
I... I... Then her resolve seemed to harden. She is a whore. How can you say that? Hatsumi's voice grew harder with each word. Yesterday, I saw her come out of... Where? Yasutoki's personal chambers. And what of it? She is a servant. And what of Yasutoki? Wait. The realization struck her then, and a sliver of dread tore into her. Are you and Yasutoki lovers? Normally, she would have been happy to hear that Hatsumi had found a lover, but not this way. Not with Yasutoki. The man was evil, and his interest in Hatsumi could not be genuine. He was a man with motives within mysteries. What kind of game was he playing? Hatsumi's eyes flashed with defiance as she nodded. Last week, he professed his undying love for me. Do you love him? Kazuko asked, dreading the answer. Hatsumi paused. I don't know. It's so exciting that he says he loves me. And he has a powerful position. Then her voice grew venomous again. But that little slut trying to take him away from me. Hatsumi, Kazuko gently interrupted her, keeping her voice soft and even. How do you know she was in his bed? She could have been there for any number of reasons. It was the look on her face, and she knew that I knew. But she is so young, and so ripe for the plucking. She seduced him, Hatsumi. She has no such designs on anyone, much less Yasutoki. She is little more than a child. And what about Yasutoki? Is he not desirable? Why would she not want him for herself? Kazuko stiffened. The wrath and suspicion in Hatsumi's voice almost rocked her back on her heels. Hatsumi, Kazuko said, trying to use her voice to soothe Hatsumi's emotions. You are distraught. Do not fear. I will take care of you. That's a bit of a change, isn't it? She gave a feeble smile. She wanted to say that even if Moi had been in Yasutoki's bed, the liaison had been all Yasutoki's doing. But she could not suggest that without making things worse. Hatsumi's posture softened. Kazuko hugged her shoulders. Even if Moi deserved to be punished, the deed is done now, yes? There is no need to punish her further. We must not be cruel to the servants, or they will hate us. They serve us well, and they are beneath us. Thus, they deserve our kindness, yes? Hatsumi's eyes began to tear, and she nodded, sniffling. Good. Besides, you have certainly filled her with fear. You will not punish her any more. Hatsumi sniffled again and shook her head. Good. Please come with me outside. The fresh air will help calm you. She helped Hatsumi to her feet and led her out to the balcony. I will call for some tea. That will make you feel better too, won't it? Please, don't go to so much trouble. No trouble at all. Just wait here. Kazuko sat Hatsumi down on a soft cushion, 
then went back inside and rang a small gong that she used to call her servants. A middle-aged servant woman named Yuki answered her summons. Yuki was as pale as fresh linen as she knelt and bowed to the floor. Kazuko requested a pot of tea. Yuki said, Of course, milady. Anything for you. She stood up to leave. Um, just a moment. How is the girl, Moi? Yuki stiffened almost imperceptibly. She will be fine, milady, in time. Hatsumi feels terrible about what happened. It will not happen again. Even in Yuki's respectfully downcast eyes, Kazuko could see the hard glitter of hatred. As you say, milady. Can you tell me what happened? Yuki paused, thinking, as if choosing her words with great care. I do not know, milady. What does Moi say? Yuki spoke carefully. She says that she took Master Yasutoki his fresh laundry, and Mistress Hatsumi saw her coming out of his chambers and grew very angry. Hatsumi summoned Moi here and started beating her without explanation. So Moi has no idea why Hatsumi beat her? Then she grew cautious. Milady, you are a fair and kind mistress. All the servants love you. May I speak? Kazuko felt herself stiffen. These were bold words for a house servant. You may speak. Hatsumi hates Moi. Sometimes Moi is a bit clumsy and spilled some of Hatsumi's tea once. Hatsumi threw the scalding water in her face. The poor girl could have been blinded. Kazuko's lacquer of calm cracked. She could not imagine Hatsumi being so cruel. That cannot be. I am sorry, milady. I tended Moi's burns myself. Kazuko clenched her hands in her lap, trying to restrain her racing emotions. When did this happen? In the first month after your arrival, milady. Thank you, Yuki. That is all. Yuki bowed again and departed, leaving Kazuko alone with fresh dread. What had gotten into Hatsumi? Had she been possessed by a fox or some evil spirit? Was this no longer the real Hatsumi? Had the real woman been replaced by a Tengu or other such shape-shifting creature? Any number of possible explanations raced through her mind, none of them pleasant. But her thoughts kept returning to the encounter with Hakamadare. Had the Oni's evil somehow taken root inside her? Had the horror she had experienced shattered her spirit? So many thoughts, all of them unpleasant. But at least they gave her respite from her own private pain. She would have to watch Hatsumi closely. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. 